let's go to the Lord and uh, let's pray. And we're going to go to his word and uh, we need help. We need help to hear what he has to say to us. So let's pray. Father, we have the privilege of, um, as your children, being able to worship you when we're alone, when we're with family, when we're at work, when we're at play, when we're recreating in this beautiful place that you have uh, set us. We get to worship you all week long. In fact, Lord, all of our life should be oriented towards worship. But there is something special about coming together as your people and raising our collective voice, bringing our hearts and minds together to say together that you are God and that you are worthy of worship. And I know, Lord, it's good for some who maybe have difficulty even articulating the words this morning or believing the truth of them to hear their brother or sister in Christ declaring praise and that it bolsters our faith when our faith is weak. So we thank you for your wisdom in making us a part of a family, a community, a community of faith that lives life before you and is privileged to help one another along the way. Uh, God, I pray now that as we come to your word and as we wrap up this series, that you would finish uh, a work in our hearts, seeing uh, each sphere of our life as a mission field and ourselves as missionaries for you. So teach us what we need to hear this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll take out your handout this morning, there's some really critical information on that uh, insert that we give to you. You'll notice that it's blank. Uh, I would like to be able to say it's blank because this morning we're talking about art and creativity and we wanted to give you the maximum amount of space to be able to to play, except that wouldn't be true. Uh, It was one of those weeks, and I'll just be honest with you, the uh, points that I'm working through this morning just didn't get all the way there, but you've got a pen and uh, I'm going to ask you to do a little work with me this morning. We are wrapping up our series, Where's My Mission Field? And as you know, this was uh, really prompted by our our long-term study through the book of 1 Corinthians, particularly in chapter 7, where we ran into this section where in three times in just a few verses, Paul makes a very similar statement. In verse 17, it sounds like this. Nevertheless, each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned them, just as God called them. This is the rule I lay down in all of the churches. And I think this phrase, I've been trying to to, kind of keep it in front of you and show its importance. I think it's really remarkable because number one, he does repeat it three times in just about five verses. Secondly, he states it very inclusively. Each person, it refers to all of us. Remember, the Corinthians were essentially asking the question, Now that I have Christ, but I'm in this particular context, what should I do? Should I leave my unbelieving spouse? Should I leave my place of work, or in this, in the case that was presented, a place of slavery and indentured servitude? Should I leave that place? What should I do that I now have the gospel? And Paul's command was, you're to stay. And we talked about learning to be a missionary where God has placed you. But he, he speaks of this very inclusive. Each person, it refers to really all of us. And then he illustrates it by laying out several different uh, scenarios, marriage, and then again, slavery, as I just said. And then finally, he makes the all-inclusive statement, this is the rule I lay down in all of the churches. This is, this is a manner and a posture that Paul intended for all believers, that we are to see ourselves as missionaries where God has placed us. 
This is just one of many commissioning passages in the New Testament alongside the great commission of Matthew 28, 19, and 20 and Acts 1, 8 and the others like it. In other words, here's the sort of provocative statement that I would throw out to you. There is no such thing as a Christian who is not a missionary. We are all to be on mission for God wherever he has placed us. Some will be called to different places, but there's no such thing as a Christian who is not a missionary. A Christian who does not see themselves as a missionary, I think I would want to call them by a different name, which would be a survivor at best. But a Christian is one who takes up his Lord's agenda and carries it as his own. And so we've been exploring the various spheres of our life, learning to see them as a mission field, to see ourselves as missionaries sent by God, uh, ambassadors and witnesses wherever God has planted us. We've already looked at our neighborhoods, and we had a chance to hear from Donna Werder, who is, in fact, a CEF missionary and how she leads uh, backyard clubs uh, and, and uh, home, home clubs for uh, families. Uh, we had a chance to look at your place of work, and we heard from Peter Chapman as an employer here in town and how he sees um, his entrepreneurial interests and his, his business as a mission field. Uh, we identified last week our local city, Fairbanks itself, as a mission field, and we got to hear uh, from Connie Johnson uh, just as a, as a teacher and as a coach and as a golfer, how she can use those things, um, uh, and, and, and I see herself as a missionary in those various spheres. And this morning, I'm going to address artistic creativity as a mission field. Uh, so I have chosen something quite unique. Uh, this may be the hardest message I've prepared for yet. Not because the text is difficult, but because the subject is a bit difficult, as you'll see. Um, uh, so as you can imagine, it's, it's kind of difficult to select just a handful of spheres that we might explore as a mission field. But a couple of weeks ago, I had the privilege of going to uh, Ann Williams. Uh, see, now we just talked about it, Ann. It was, Ann, it was your thesis exhibition. Thank you. Thesis exhibition. Uh, downtown at uh, Well Street Studio, and it was phenomenal. Uh, and it was wonderful to see her uh, artist statement about her work, and, to, and for me to see her reflecting on this aspect of her life, artistic creativity, and, and truly see it as a mission field. And I thought, this needs to be heard and seen. And uh, so that was kind of what pushed me over the edge uh, for choosing this particular sphere for our last one. And uh, I'm already going to quote you, Anne, something we've been dialoguing this past week, but one of the things that she said is in, in our communication was that the church and art have had a complicated history. And uh, I say, yes, that's true. And as a result, the church doesn't talk about art very much anymore. And uh, once upon a time, the church led the way. And now it's largely missing. Uh, the contemporary evangelical church, at least in my mind, is pragmatic to a fault. Uh, artistic creativity and beauty, I think, often feel to the church like an unaffordable extravagance. And uh, I hope this morning at least to agitate you uh, to begin thinking differently about it. And, and I'm quite confident that I, I will be able to agitate you. Um, whether or not we get you to thinking differently about it or not, I don't know. But <coughs> I will be trying to agitate just a bit. And so this morning we're considering this statement, artistic creativity is a mission field. Uh, Now we could start with the question, or the questions, what is art? 
and what are artists? Uh, that would be a lot more like a TED Talk, however, and that's not what I'm doing this morning. And so instead of starting with questions, we're going to go to declaration. We're going to go to the declaration of the Word of God and see what we learn uh, from God himself. In Genesis 1, 26 and 27, we find these words that we could spend the rest of our lives dwelling on and not completely uh, understanding. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. How many sermons are in there? One of the first things that we see, or I want us to see this morning, is this, that there are aspects of mankind that are like God himself, which is what we're taught here. We are image bearers of God, and that means a whole lot of things. Uh, Let me illustrate just a little bit. When I um, look at my children, I see, unfortunately for them, some of me in them. Uh, and some of it's, it's not all bad, of course, but uh, when I look at Aiden, uh, I see in him my love of learning and his enthusiasm for all things possible. Uh, I see that Aiden is filled with questions, constantly asking. Uh, in fact, I don't know how many times a day a sentence begins with, I wonder, and I love that. Um, when I look at Eleanor, I see she has my eyes, she has my skin, She has my love for people. And Eleanor has, um, I think, my determination. Um, uh, A couple weeks ago, one of the um, homework assignments that she had for part of our homeschool curriculum for her, she was to memorize the Nicene Creed. And uh, uh, as our family is prone to doing, a contest ensued as to who could get it done first. Eleanor memorized it in one day. And recited it. And so when she sets her mind to a thing, she will not be stopped. Um, Gus has my sense of adventure. He relates to the world in a physical way. He's also more introspective. uh, And even at times uh, prefers isolation. I think he gets fatigued of people. And uh, I get that. I I, I get that. Uh, And of course the kids have many finer traits. Those come from Amy. Um, one of the things that they all have in common is that they're each massively creative. And it amazes me to see what they can make when they put their hand to it. So as a father, when I look at my kids, I'm amazed to see that they bear some of my traits and they bear some of my wife's better traits, praise God. And in the same way, as human beings, we resemble our maker. We bear some of his traits Specifically, one of the traits that we resemble in him is that we too are makers, creative types, those that can imagine and put their hands to work to create and to fashion. The specific role given to Adam and Eve in the garden was to order and arrange and to creatively work the ground as mankind's first canvas. And in working and in ruling and in exercising dominion, mankind was imaging the first maker, God himself. Uh, and so we are, we are made in the image of God. Now I want to I be clear about this. The image of God is marred in us, of course, because of sin. And we know this from Genesis. 
Uh, and we know this from our own lives as well. Uh, but the image of God is not absent in us. It's just marred. It's just distorted. In fact, I would say this, that the organizing principle of all of the scripture, this is quite a big statement here, the organizing principle of all of scripture is that God is restoring what has been broken. He is restoring his beloved creation. And we call this restoration process, in one word, we call this salvation. And as it relates to us as individuals, it has three specific components. One is justification, where God, based on Christ, declares, if we have received him as our Savior, declares that we are not guilty. We are justified, just as if I'd never sinned. And sanctification, which is where we become in character and likeness that which God has declared us to be. So we grow up into the status that he has given to us in Christ. And finally, glorification, where we become completely and perfectly all that God intended us to be. And that will happen one day. And we look forward to that day. Those three components, justification, sanctification, glorification, represent the salvation that God is trying to achieve in his people. And that is the organizing principle of the scripture, that he is restoring what has been broken. And so what I want to convey here is this. We discover that God is the original creator. He is the original artist. But his work of ordering and beautifying and giving meaning was not something that happened once. But it's something that continually happens in our lives. Having already made us, he is also continually making us into new creatures. His artwork continues in our very lives and natures. What I want you to see is that from the first chapters of Scripture to the very end of Scripture, all of it is dripping with the creativity of God and the making and remaking work of God. And we, mankind, are made to be like Him and to image Him in these and other respects. Secondly, (coughs) God is the original artist if I can call him that. He is the almighty one who imagines in his mind and makes perfectly by speaking something into existence. Uh, He fashions with skill his beautiful creation and he stands back rejoicing in it, calling it good. Um, Amy and Gus took off for a couple weeks to go down to Washington to visit family, and so it's me and Aiden and Ellie at home for a couple weeks, and so it's, uh, it's dad camp at home, which means work days. <laughs> and uh, we had a bit of a work project the other day. We've, we've already, um, we brought in a couple truckloads of dirt and uh, reseeded the lawn, <laughs> and uh, we actually had something like 30 tons of rock, of gravel delivered to the house, and... Uh, We've raked that around, so I could use a massage afterwards if anyone is so gifted. <laughs> I hurt a lot. Um, but it was, it was just fun to be out there with the rake and the shovel and the wheelbarrow, moving things around and playing in the dirt and planting and, and just seeing, and seeing the full color of, of spring take off in the yard and the grass begin to grow and all, that, all the goodness that God has given us. And I'm just playing in my yard and I can take a step back and say, oh, that was, that was good, satisfying. You guys know this feeling. There is something in us when we, when we do these kinds of projects. We go, that was good. 
It feels as though we're participating with our very nature. You know? Consider the created world of God. Think about the color and the shapes and the textures. Think about the intricacy of some of his creation. The power of wind and of waves. The variation of birds. Why so many birds? Think of the variation of of insects. And again, the intricacy and the detail when you look at them closely. Just watch a beehive in action. Aiden has uh, taken on beekeeping this summer. So we're learning. We're learning lots. But when we pause and we stop and we look at all that God has made and all that we get to participate in, we get to just throw up our hands and I think a heart's act of worship, which is to say, our God is a master creator and artist. And amazingly, as beautiful as all of that is, we are his masterpiece. We ourselves. Consider the psalmist's words in Psalm 139. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful and I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. And all of the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. We're his masterpiece, his finest creation. And this isn't just an Old Testament creation understanding. Even in the New Testament, Paul says in Ephesians 2.10, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for us in advance to do. I, I could go on and on about this, but you guys know this. Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. And Proverbs 8 is maybe one of my favorite passages which sort of speaks of uh, this personification of wisdom, particularly in verses 30 and 31. In fact, I'll read it to you. It's never a bad idea to read scripture in church, right? <laughs> the Psalm 8, 30 uh, and 31. This is again the personification of wisdom. Then I was the craftsman at his side. I was filled with the light day after day, rejoicing always in his Presence, rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in mankind. Isn't that cool? The, this, to, to imagine just the beautiful writing, which is in itself artistic, but to imagine wisdom speaking as though an observer of God's very creation and saying, look at the skill, look at how amazing it is, and rejoicing in it, and then seeing mankind and delighting and rejoicing in mankind. God is amazingly creative. He is the first artist. And it's, it's interesting to me to see how, uh, as the Bible speaks of artistic creativity, it often links it with skill. If you want to do a, a bit of a study on your own, look through the scriptures, search through the scriptures, and see how often those two things come together. In fact, later on, we're going to look briefly at a fellow by the name of Bezalel who along with other skilled workers was chosen by God, gifted by God for the building of the tabernacle and the artifacts that would be inside. Here's what I want to say in the second point. The end goal is to restore in us our true and given nature to be fully human persons. Being human is not a bad thing. It's what God made you to be. 
But God's end goal is to restore in us our true given nature to be fully human persons created in his likeness and for his pleasure. And when we are creatively artistic, we are behaving as we were designed. And every now and then I think we get a sense of that. Thirdly here, as image bearers of God, we are all creative and some artists. Now we're getting into splitting hairs. This is an important conversation, and, and I, I, I hold this a bit open-handed. I, I would like to call this the unfinished sermon, if I may. Uh, you know what's brutal about preaching a sermon is it's got to be done on Sunday, even if you're not. And I'm not. I'm still reflecting on some of these things, but... I think it's harder to say that we are all artists. I kind of cringe at these statements that are all-inclusive of that kind of nature because if we're all something, then it seems to me that none of us is something. Uh, By declaring that we are something, we're declaring it in distinction of others. For example, if I say that we're all athletes, well, then maybe none of us are athletes because we know one to be athletic or not in comparison to others. Does that make sense? So to say that we're all artists is a little bit... Well, for all artists, then I'm not sure really any of us is... It's just kind of something we have. Um, But I think this is fair to say. There is an artist in all of us. And some will discover it and develop it and apply discipline and learn skill and reach a certain level of competency and will reach a strata by which we might say, yes, there is an artist. Um, It may show up on the canvas. It may show up in music. It may show up uh, in the written word or in culinary skill or decoration or in the welder's shop or on the woodworker's bench. But the move from simply creative to artist, I think, is a move towards skill and purpose through discipline and resulting in competence. And I think all of us have maybe a suspicion that there is artistic creativity in us and some of us just leave it there. (laughs) And let it lie dormant. One of the privileges of serving as your pastor uh, is that I get to see this at work in many of you. And that is a real treat. I'm standing here this morning behind this podium, which was made by one of our artisans. In fact, it was made by Greg Vinger. And it's just one of the many kinds of woodwork that he, that he does. Uh, Greg, I didn't talk to you about this, but I'm just going to speak because, you know, it's easier to get forgiveness than permission, as you know. So... Uh, (laughs) Greg um, also makes uh, wooden stocks for guns by hand carves them out of a single block of wood and you want to you know look at the the checking that is done with this by hand with this little instrument carefully down on the forend of the rifle it's amazing amazing Uh, I get to see some of you uh, in the way that you cook you know wood fired pizzas Randy uh The music that we get to hear every Sunday here, and there are so many musical gifts, so many musical gifts and artistry among you. The painting and the sculpting that that many of you do. In fact, we had two of our our young folks um, recognize this last week, last Sunday, in the newspaper for their artistic achievements. Um, And I could go on and on about this. And Scott Ramby, I'm going to throw you under the bus here, or not under the bus, I don't know, out in front of it. Where'd you go? I saw you. There you are, there you are. I had the privilege of watching Scott build a new plow truck. Um, I say watching. I think I went over one time. But in uh, taking this, this old Ford Bronco down to the chassis 
and rewelding and rebracing and considering how he wanted this thing to work and carefully carefully welding together with just with beauty and with skill and with thought and I, and I'm I, I have no shame in saying the work that you do with the welder's torch is art absolutely and it's it's amazing you guys are so gifted and that is God at work in you these are things he has implanted in you and it's really a privilege to see it so let me get to my last point here Artistic creativity is important and a worthy mission field. It's important and a worthy mission field. In Exodus chapter 31 and in 35, and you can read throughout those chapters, the, the conversation kind of weaves in and out along the same, same idea here. But there are two figures by the name of Bezalel and uh, Aholiab. And I did take the time to study the names this past week. Um, listen to what the scripture says about these fellows. This is Exodus 31.1. Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, the son of, Jude, or of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and to set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. Moreover, I have appointed Oheliab, son of, I know I didn't pronounce that name, hmm, Ahasamak, of the tribe of Dan to help him. Also, I have given him ability, I've given ability to all the skilled workers to make everything I commanded you. And so what's fascinating to me is that when we see God choosing individuals to construct the tabernacle, he chooses artists whom he has gifted who have received that gift and developed it and taken it to a point of competency and they wield it with skill and with wisdom. And the fascinating thing to me, and I don't have time to go into it this morning, but this, there is beauty hidden inside the tabernacle for God to enjoy alone. Beauty was important to the Lord, important to God. And if you don't believe me, even in thinking about the tabernacle, then I would say, just look at the world that he's made. Go outside today and walk in his creation. Try to convince me that beauty isn't important to the Lord. So let me ask this question. Why is art important to us? Why is it a worthy mission field? Here's some of my thoughts, my continuing thoughts, which aren't (coughs) finished yet, but because it is expression. And to quote Ann Williamson again, because all creativity speaks. And because with it, we can say something and its message can be simultaneously powerful and gentle. And in a world that I think is feeling beat up with dogmatic and propositional truth and constantly being shouted at by preachers, art can be a compassionate, suggestive, and even provocative format for engagement. Artistic creativity can both shout and do it in a whisper. Uh, It has the ability at times to startle us. It can be a carrier of truth and also an ongoing method of persuasion. The creativity that it takes taps into who we are as humans, who we were made to be, and is therefore common ground, I think, for meaningful conversation. Artistic creativity explores the existence of beauty, which in itself insinuates a creator. Um, I want to show you one piece of art here that um, 
I saw recently, this was back in March when I was down in Vancouver at Regent College taking a couple of courses. And um, they have some art on display around the seminary there. And this was a piece that was hanging in the halls. And it startled me. And I spent, uh, um, I don't know, I probably sat in front of this three or four times through, throughout my time there for great lengths looking at it and reflecting upon it. Uh, I'm sorry you only have a picture to look at and only a brief window to look, at, uh, look upon it. But it's, it's uh, let me read this inscription that was found next to it. It's called Speak. It's by the artist David Robinson. And it says this, Speak was created by a local Vancouver artist, David Robinson, in 1980 as a sort of homage to the preacher. The preacher hangs inside the pulpit, thin, vulnerable, human. His life is given to preaching God's word. He is laid bare before the congregation, bare before God. His life fuses with the service of the pulpit. God's word sustains him. God's word spoken through him. He is fully aware of his humanness, aware that he is not God, but rather in service to God and to God's people. This preacher is aware that his place behind the pulpit is one of cost, of humility, of honesty. This image does not allow us to ever imagine a self-righteous, power-hungry, and judgmental preacher. This preacher demonstrates the weight and truth of the pulpit. It goes on from there. But I sat there looking upon that, and I thought, that is maybe one of the truer pictures that encapsulates how I feel with the incredible ministry that God has entrusted to me. It's scary. One feels vulnerable. It's a privilege. Um... But, it, but it, it takes great vulnerability, and it's hard. And yet it's also life's greatest joy, which is not apparent on the fellow's face there. <laughs> I do like, too, that he's hairless, you know. Uh, that, was, that was comforting. But this was a piece that startled me, and I got to sit and reflect upon it, and I thought it was a wonderful, gentle message that I could take time to take in. Um, I want to close with this, and then I'm going to bring up Anne, and we're going to talk for a little bit. Creativity is fundamental to being human. It is a way in which we're like God. It's a trait of all humanity, whether Christian or not, and therefore it is common ground that is ripe for sharing and reflecting and questioning and exploring and interacting with people of all cultures. The church used to be the center for the arts and its leader, and now... There's very little there, and I'll kind of leave that as a bit of a provocation. Anne, are you ready? You want to come up and talk with me a little bit? We're going to have a conversation about some of Anne's work and her thoughts on, on art. So would you welcome Anne with me? And while she's coming up, you're getting to look at some of the uh, pieces that she has put together. And I would strongly encourage you uh, these are still on display, but only until Friday down at the Well Street Studio. I would strongly encourage you uh, to go and visit this and to take time with it ref- and reflect upon what, uh, what she has put out there. And so, uh, Anne, you've graduated and you finished your thesis. Yes. Yes, all right. <laughs> uh, let me ask you this. When did you first recognize 
uh, art and creativity as a passion and something that you wanted to develop and pursue? Um, well, as a little kid, I was always making things out of whatever I had in front of me, um, like landscapes in my mashed potatoes and uh, <laughs> little creatures out of straw wrappers at restaurants. Um, but it was a way to sort of avoid interaction with people. I'm not a very <laughs> outgoing person. And here you are and with a microphone in your hands. <laughs> Thanks, Eric. <laughs> um, uh-huh. So, um, but I continued to make things. I'm really patient and encouraging parents. And so um, when I was about 12 or 13, I started being able to sell things at craft shows. And I did a pretty tidy profit. So I saw, that was my first time that I thought, oh, maybe I could do something like this, like for a living, but I, I put about as much thought into it as a 12 or 13-year-old individual does, and it was largely selfish. Mm. I thought, oh, I can make money at this, um, but it didn't really become a passion until high school when I started to notice that I saw the world a little bit differently than my peers, um, a sort of linger in parts of creation that other people didn't seem to notice, and um, saw materials everywhere and was able to manipulate materials in ways that nobody around me was doing. And I started to realize, maybe this isn't just a lucrative hobby. (laughs) Maybe this is actually a gift. And I started feeling sort of a a sense of responsibility to develop it and use it. Um, And also, since I didn't develop some of those social skills that people do (laughs) when they're younger, it became very relational for me. Creative Mm. expression was the way that I was able to share my heart with people. It was a lot easier to handwrite someone a note and like secretly deliver it and like run away than it was (laughs) to actually actually speak to them face to face um, or make something by hand that was just a gesture of like, I love and value you and here it is and then run away. (laughs) (laughs) So I took it with me to college and I decided I was going to pursue it um, because I decided this is a gift. I'm going to do it. Um, And for anyone who's pursued a liberal arts degree, that's a very difficult thing for a Christian. Lots of traps, not an easy A. (laughs) You spend a lot of time um, defending yourself and your work and your faith. Uh, And so it was good for my faith in that sense too. Mm -hmm. yeah, here I am. And do you think um, artistic creativity is universal to humanity? Don't I'm, be don't be afraid to disagree with me, which I know that you will. <laughs> no, was, we already talked about this, but yes, <laughs> absolutely, I do. Um, yeah. I've never met a person that I didn't think was creative in some way, um, and I feel pretty privileged to be one of the people who can like help draw it out of people mm-hmm. and say, mm-hmm. "No, absolutely, you're creative." Um, I see us being made, I mean, you already said this, but us being made by God and in God's image and the same God who made this like crazy, diverse, complicated universe that we live in um, that exists outside of us and also inside us. Um, And when an artist makes something, they can't help but leave their mark on it. So like even if it's like a fingerprint or a smudge or just something that relates to an artist's physical stature, it's there. Um, So I don't see how God could not have left his, that's such a distinctive part of his character, being a creative. Mm-hmm. I don't creator. I don't see that he couldn't have left that on us. Not to say that it was consequential, just because God's creative, we're creative. I think it's intentional. Mm-hmm. It's something that I see as a direct line that relates back to our origin. Mm-hmm. This is a hard question. I know we've talked <laughs> about this one. Why is beauty important? <sighs> beauty is such a loaded term these days. Um, 
beauty, something that's beautiful, draws you in, um, catches your attention, sort of gives you some sense of pleasure or satisfaction to be around or near. And um, the world would have you believe that that's kind of where beauty starts and ends. But real beauty has meaning and purpose. And I think we see in scripture that that's the kind of beauty that God encourages and um, is glorified by. And so real beauty has has meaning and that it's important because it's not random. You know, beauty is kind of what I see as God's fingerprint on creation. Beauty exists where good design exists. So when you see something mm-hmm. beautiful, it's been made that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and even science can't really explain beauty. It's something that only exists in the human mind, um, which is another fascinating creation of God's. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, beauty is important because it's a, it's a mark of God and we're designed to like see it and look for it and be around it in the way that he made us to look for him and want to be around him. And the ability to make something beautiful is a really big honor and Mm -hmm. uh, an opportunity to glorify him. What are you trying to achieve with your creative expression and who is it for? That's the question that all artists, anybody that has to make anything has to grapple with. Um, And it's changed, it's constantly changing. Um, Art is a really uh, powerful communication tool because you have this ability to capture people's emotion, to wrap them into stories. Um, So you kind of, like any good communication, you kind of tailor it to your audience. Uh, For example, this show that is up right now was largely tailored to the academic community that came up around me while I was finishing school uh, and saw sort of the struggle of me trying to not inject, this is what my committee said I was doing, injecting my faith into my work, but saying, no, like my work is coming from a place in my faith. Um, Hmm. So sort of the culmination of my struggle with that and for that audience to see. Um, uh, And also it just, it depends on what you're, there's really two ways, like what your art directly says. Um, So if any of them could speak, they would directly say like, I bear the marks of intelligent design. And so I spent a lot of time talking about intelligent design with people at my show. And that was a, that was a first for me, to be able to see people having spiritual conversations over my artwork. Yeah. <laughs> That's intense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. I, nope, I didn't plan for this, but while I was, I mean, that, that's where my heart was just pounding when I was there and seeing the audience that was there and what they were considering. And uh, I think that's what really excited me and that's what really tipped me over the line to say, I want to have Anne come and talk to us about that. So you did it to yourself, Anne. Um, did you, did you, were you able to get to the second question, who is it for? Oh, um, arts for, well, so ultimately because I feel like what I have is a gift, um, every time I exercise it, I'm trying to be conscious about how God can use it. And I know that sounds like, you know, down to the nitty gritty, um, but for in my family, you know, I use it to support my family and then to support my my church body. And sometimes that just looks really practical, like um, making wedding invitations for people who can't afford them or painting a mural in a classroom that doesn't have any color. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that, but that tends to be where, where artistic create, creativity gets traction for me in the church. Um, but sometimes I'm just really burdened with the truth for somebody or for anybody who will listen. Mm -hmm. And because I have 
developed the way that I express myself through art, that tends to be the place where those things that I feel really strongly about come out the most. So, so sometimes it's specific. It's for people, and it's, it's for the kingdom. I don't ever want to say something that someone goes, oh, that's nice, and then that's the end of it. I want it to be truthful, and I want it to shake people's perspective and maybe think about something that's a little deeper than the surface in their day-to-day lives. Well, we have two more questions here. Um, and, and forgive me if this is redundant, you feel like you've answered it, tell me. Uh, how does artistic creativity represent a mission field for you? Yeah, I guess I did kind of cover that a little. Um, well, so I take, I mean, I take the mission field with me wherever I go. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's in what I make, what my work actually says, and how far that goes. With the internet nowadays, images go pretty far. Um, and then with me and how I conduct myself in the places that my art allows me to be in. So with other artists, which is a bigger mission field than I had anticipated. I've met a lot of artists who absolutely have no desire to interact with the gospel but de- yet, but um, yeah. desperately need love and grace. Um, and artists aren't really known for those things. In fact, they're known for their arrogance. So being different in those environments um, has already started to catch me, started to catch me a little bit of attention. Um, and sort of a like, oh, well, how, why do you operate that way? And how is it that you can be successful and not be very confident? It seems like a lack of confidence. Maybe it is, but um, not. They're watching me, you know, when I'm not, when I'm consciously not trying to puff myself up with attention, and when I'm giving credit to God. In fact, when I was making a piece a couple years ago, my teacher stopped by the table where I was working on, it was a chicken, incidentally, <laughs> and she starts praising me for, oh, this looks really great, you know, you, could, you should do it bigger and better and you have skill. And I said to her, because she's an artist, I said, do you ever just make something and you look at it and you go, wow, that's really cool, I can't take credit for it. And she just gave me this crazy look and she was like, <laughs> no. <laughs> so... Um, but that sparked a series of conversations over the next couple of years about why, about how I feel like what I have is a gift and what I'm developing is not just for me and my own benefit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know I can see her chewing on it, you know. Um, so it's all about relationships. You know, mm-hmm. the piece of artwork itself is not the, the goal. The people are the goal. So if I can reach people or spark conversations or start people thinking about eternal things. That's the, that's the mission field. There you go. Amen. Well, last question here is what does the future um, hold for you and your creative interests? I know you have a specific plan coming up here, but Um, yeah, so God keeps opening doors for me. Um, So I'm walking through them one step at a time. And thanks to the, I have a really awesome and supportive husband who's like, okay. Um, (laughs) I have a, I have a. Jimmy, you're mature beyond your years. You've learned that one right there. (laughs) Okay, honey. (laughs) So I have an apprenticeship with an artist this summer uh, in Montana and she's pretty famous and I'm really flattered that she is considering me. It's going to be some hard work, but um, it's eight weeks. And I hope to learn some skills about maybe becoming a career artist from her, but I also think God's doing other things. I mean, he's always doing other things. <laughs> so I know I'm going to be under a microscope while I'm there. She's not a believer, a very stiff-armed non-believer. So um, if you think of me this summer, you could pray for me. <laughs> 
Well, Anne, we're going to do that right now. And I know what we have done through this series is we've had those who identify with the specific sphere that we're talking about stand up, and we've commissioned each of you. I quite frankly don't know how to do that in this field, given all that we've said. And so I uh, apologize for not having figured that out exactly, but, but I do want to commission you, Anne, and uh, what God has uh, in store for you these next few months and what he's doing in your own heart. And church, I want to ask if you'd help me do that. So would you stand where you are? We're going to pray for Anne. Please pray with me. Father, we thank you that we have um, eyes to see and senses to take in uh, and a mind to reflect and to think about all that you have made. We thank you, Lord, that we bear your fingerprints, as Anne has said, that as your masterpiece, there is a part of you, an image of you that is put into us. God, may each one, as you have gifted them and and, uh, put something in them, Lord, that is creative, may they learn to use it as, as something that glorifies you and impacts your kingdom. Lord, I pray for Anne, specifically as she heads out to this apprenticeship, that you would give her success, that you would give her, Lord, an opportunity uh, to be able to interact with those around her who don't know you. God, that they may see what comes out of her and even wonder about its source. And may she be able to give answers to questions that come. Thank you, Lord, for the creativity and the artistic expression that you put in us. And we commit our sister Anne to you, Lord. We ask that you would empower her, that you would continue to sharpen and hone her skills that you have put into her. And may she honor you with all that she does. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.